boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us, horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Kitties to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our 10th tome of season two with the ventriloquist dummy, an episode all about the dangers of twin pregnancies. But before we can venture fully into the vault, let me introduce you to my co host, Petrified Preston. I'm so glad to have you back. How's it going, my man? Oh, man, I am so excited to get back in the groove of Horrors from the Vault, man, with uh, with two of my best buds, man. Thank you guys so much for holding it down for me um, on our on our previous episode. I really needed those uh, those positive vibes you guys put out. So, again, much appreciated. Guys, we got a fun episode to go over today. And, uh, hey, I don't want to waste too much time before getting into it. I, I completely agree. Normally, I do like a big opening spiel. Maybe I'll fit in something here. But yes, this is a good episode for Horace from the Vault to return from vacation mm-hmm. on because, boy, uh, what, you know what? Let, let's not spoil anything. Uh, <laughs> but somebody who will spoil your dinner if you uh, insult one of his favorite movies of the year, which is uh, any Christopher Nolan flick. <laughs> What's going on, Devilish Dan? <laughs> What's going on, guys? I just found out that most of my friends think I hate them, or at least thought I hated them at some point in our relationship, and that's fun to know. <laughs> it's kind of how we all started. It was, uh, you know, I'll never forget. I was like, hey, let's collaborate. And then I was like, this movie is on my favorite physical media releases. And you're like, I don't know. I guess it could be if you're mid. Uh, <laughs> I will say that. I'll say this. To defend myself, if if you think I'm mean to you or don't like you, it probably means that I respect you and think you are intelligent and can handle sarcasm and some, some good ribbing. So, hey, if I'm an asshole, that means we're good friends. What a sweetheart. Aww, what a man. Like he's he's still carrying some of that that Christmas joy inside of him. <laughs> he's, he's a little bit of Bill Murray and Scrooge. And oh. Oh, go Pres- ahead. Preston, since you didn't get to participate, wh- what's your favorite Christmas treat? Uh, Hunter and I got to be fat boys together, oh, but we didn't God. get your opinion. We did. We did. All right. My my favorite Christmas treat, like food-wise? Yes. Or drink-wise? Either, Can I go yeah, either one. Okay, sure. yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a drink. So I'm going to go with, oh, man, I love this. I'm going to go with a cranberry ginger ale and Tito's. 
Mm. That's a solid festive Ginger beverage. Ginger and vodka, huh? Or uh, that, Tito's vodka or Tito's uh, tequila? Yeah, Tito's vodka. Yeah, Tito's vodka. Okay, okay. That is, say, Ginger uh, tequila would be weird. That is entirely my shit. My favorite cocktail uh, is a mule. Good old Moscow mule. And uh, while this is not. That's right. That's right. And while this is not a mule, uh, you know, you got to get the festive vibes in there. So, yeah, that that is my go to. Nice. I'll accept that as an answer. Not traditional, but good. Yeah. Preston, were you able to fit in any uh, really great holiday viewing into your season while you were away? Oh my God, did I ever? Are you kidding me? Um, so much. So, I, I mean, geez. Yeah. It, yeah. It was a good, healthy amount. I think I got up to close to like 50 ish, but you got to keep in mind, I started like, you know, early to mid November. So I had a, I had a lot of time to put into it, but yeah, this year I, uh, I watched a lot of like first time things like love actually the family stone, I don't know, shit like that that I'd never seen and really actually enjoyed like all those things. Oh, that's awesome. You and Dan have yeah. another thing in common now. Yep. We love love actually. Great, <laughs> great flick. Great flick. Oh, and for yeah. some reason, you skipped the holiday break episode, seeing that it was not covering it. Go back and listen to uh, two grown men talk about love actually for 10 minutes. And <laughs> now so happy. we think you should watch it. Yeah. And that was edited down too. It was edited down. I had to. I had to make it more concise. There, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's. I, I want this to be a tight show. I want this. You know, to flow well. <laughs> Speaking of tight shows and flowing well, season two, episode ten, aired on June fifth of nineteen ninety. Once again, we're talking about the ventriloquist dummy, Petrified Preston. Let's go check you out over at the House of Horror. Let's do it. Kicking open the door. Um, so coming almost 40 years uh, pr- uh, before the premiere of the uh, episode itself, February of 1952. Yeah, we going back. Tales from the Crypt number 28, The Ventriloquist Dummy. Uh, by the way, great cover to this one, though it does not represent this story. Um, I'm pretty sure you can watch the live action version of the cover uh, with Ryan Reynolds in the 2010 film Buried. So there's that, you know, cool, cool, uh, cool cover <laughs> nonetheless. Um, so the old witch is uh, introducing us to our next installment of terror here. Um, so overall, you know, let's let's get into the story. While it does get a little bit wordy, I really like the overall kind of picture of sorts that it's kind of able to present, right? We get a lot of inner monologue here, but I did find it interesting, honestly, and and really quite necessary uh, for for context sake within the story, right? I mean, this guy's like constantly talking to himself throughout the throughout the story. Um, the twist is a lot of fun. Not going to give it away here. Uh, we get to see the same one executed in the episode, which I really look forward to getting into. You know, like any version of this, the story really has the the, the essentials, and then the episode then really <laughs> kind of goes in a different, kind of sometimes hilarious direction with things that I that I really enjoyed. You know, I kind of want to talk about this for a second. I mean, it ties into the story, ties into the episode. You know, were were you guys? How did you feel about ventriloquist dolls growing up? Because I just, they're so easy to be scary. They're terrifying. They're absolutely right. Terrifying. 
I'm going to be the weird one here. Ventriloquist dolls never bothered me. I never had an issue with dolls like a lot of people did. And I think that's just because my grandmother had that collection of glass dolls. Like I imagine a lot of people did. (laughs) So that's not like a unique thing. Um, but yeah, dolls were, were never really a thing. Like I know, um, we're all to varying degrees, big fans of dead silence. It had to come up at some point. Um, yeah. So yeah, like dolls were just never a freaky thing for me. And what's funny is, um, Preston, you and I are pretty close. Like we lived out the slappy era from Goosebumps in particular. <laughs> it's like, true. Everywhere with ventriloquist dolls. Damn. Yeah, I, I I failed to think about slappy. That's really true. Is is the movie with Anthony Hopkins magic? Ah, uh, I just bought that on Blu-ray. I found a really decently priced used copy at uh, one very of the very up fun movie. It's good. Man. It's really good. Yes, I remember that movie scaring the hell out of me when I was a kid. Um, you know, so it's easy, obviously, to make these things scary. Hell, uh, Jeff Dunham, that's terrifying in itself, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, so at the end, <laughs> at the uh, end of the day on this one, I say definitely check this story out. It is available on Hoopla at no cost. Um, certainly check out the episode that we're about to dig into um, because they did a really cool job taking on this story, kind of applying it to the screen. Um, yeah, don't don't miss this one. I, I actually highly recommend checking this one out on the page. Yep. I like the little tweaks they made for the episode, just the kind of relationship, just a little tweak here and there. Yes, yes, definitely. I think the best compliment that I can give this one is, you know, some of these stories we've looked at so far and we're like, huh, that's a strange one for them to want to adapt. I wonder why they did that one. <laughs> this one, it totally made sense for me mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I totally understand why they would look at this and go, that's that's a natural one. And I could even see with the director here, Dan, I don't want to see your, your thunder, but with Richard Donner kind of reading this and being like, oh, fuck yeah, this is my shit. <laughs> like, I can do this. Um, all the pieces just came together for this one for me. And uh, yeah, I I guess that's the best compliment I can give it is that, yeah, it's just a really good source material for them to go back and choose from. Well said, sir. Really? I feel like that was a lot of just babbling, but I appreciate you. I (laughs) agreed. Agreed with the babbling. That made sense. Okay, good. Dan, before I steal any more of your thunder, let's go check you out over with Top Billing and talk about that creative team that's involved. Yeah, throwing me for a monkey wrench here because I was going to do him second, but let's uh, put the director right up top, Richard Donner, like you said. Uh, We've already talked about him a few times, so we can blow through him pretty quickly. He's obviously one of the main producers of the show, but he also directed one of our higher rated episodes, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone, as well as another movie we're going to discuss in just a second. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about the writer, Frank Darabont. He's uh, one of his biggest successes was co-creating the walking dead before being removed from the show during the development of the second season to take it in a slightly different direction. Uh, Before that, he was a successful writer director responsible for many Stephen King adaptations, such as the mist, the green mile Shawshank redemption. Uh, But he also wrote the blob remake and a nightmare on Elm street three, the dream warriors, which we've already mentioned several times in past episodes. So, a lot more connections happening uh, as far as top billing of actors. Basically a two-hander this week. Uh, first up, Don Rickles as Mr. Engels. He's another legendary comedian showing up on the show. 
mostly known for his insult style of comedy, but he's most well known to younger generations as the voice of Mr. Potato Head in the Toy Story movies. <laughs> God, I, his- I have. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go. Well, go just v- very quickly. Uh, I don't know, Dan, your like relationship with the Toy Story franchise. Hunter, oh, yeah. I know. Well, OK, OK. So we're 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 all in good company amongst each other here. Then when it comes to Toy Story. There was uh, a couple moments because, of course, we watched these multiple times. And, and one of the times I had this on, I was kind of doing something and it was kind of playing in the background. And I just got this thought of Mr. Potato Head just going, what the hell? You know, and I and I was it, it really threw me for a loop a little bit. Um, so that was that was pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, what a legendary career and how cool of him to be so game for everything that goes down with him in this episode. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. From all stories I've heard told about him, he just seemed like a cool guy that loved hanging out and just loved busting balls during, you know, big dinners with a bunch of comedians. Yeah, exactly. There, there's actually a pretty solid documentary you can watch all about Don Rickles and uh, oh, nice. everybody says exactly that. We normally don't, at least to my memory, we haven't really spent too much time talking about how people were, you know, during their real lives or still are or anything like that. But from all reports, Don Rickles is uh, was a gem of a human being and enjoyed doing all of this stuff and genuinely just enjoyed being with people and being creative in funny and silly ways. Great. Uh, the second person on the cast list, Bobcat Goldthwait as Billy Goldman. Uh, he's also a big comedic performer turned director who came to prominence in the eighties and nineties with his offbeat stage persona and distinctive performance style. Because of his unique voice, he's been tapped to do a bunch of voice work, uh, such as pain and Hercules, uh, pretty much all the movies that they need, uh, some voice actors from the main movie for they'll use him, uh, as well as pop fizz in the Skylanders game franchise. If any kids know those little toys, the to life game, a lot of fun. He also notably played Zed in the police Academy series and Elliot Loudermilk in Scrooge with director Richard Donner, uh, as well as some past and future stars of tales from the crypt uh as previously mentioned he eventually turned into an indie writer director he uh, started out with shakes the clown in the 90s and moved into some extremely dark comedic uh movies such as world's greatest dad and god bless america and he even directed a bigfoot found footage flick called willow creek which isn't very good but the last 10 minutes is some pretty good tension so you might want to watch it just for that I did not know can he I directed s- that. Yep. Can I skip ahead just to go the last 10 minutes? Can I make it happen? Yeah. yeah I mean, the, it, <laughs> guess what? They go in the woods looking for Bigfoot and, and the last 10 minutes happens. So there you go. You can skip ahead. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Yeah. we. This is one of those episodes where you look at it and it just kind of reminds you of why we're doing this series in general. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because. Yeah, there, there's just so much talent involved here. And even people that are casual fans of cinema or especially horror are just like, ooh, that guy. Ooh, that guy. Uh, what Just what a wonderful collection of talent on display here. All right, boys. We ready to talk about that episode itself? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Television Terror, the episode itself. Let's talk about that Crypt Keeper segment real quick. (laughs) (laughs) We can't really dive into it until we talk about that Crypt Keeper segment. And it is so silly. It is so goofy. But it delivers on absolutely everything you'd want from a Crypt Keeper introduction. Um, 
it perfectly ties into the subject matter at hand. You get the Crypt Keeper doing his whole shtick. It's generally just like it's safe, but also it's so much fun in that Crypt Keeper way. Uh, we've talked about it several times at this point as far as being in the, you know, the Crypt Keeper is fully developed into the character that he will eventually become as far as that pop culture mainstay. Mm -hmm. um, and little segments like this remind you of why he was so important to Tales from the Crypt and its ultimate success. So is this, I might be crazy, is this the first time he's actually said Tales from the Crypt, the words mm. Tales from the Crypt? You know, I actually do not know offhand. I couldn't find it online and it, it just hit me while I was watching it for the first time. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever heard him say the title of the show before. It is. It is fun whenever he does say it though. I feel a little bit like that Leonardo DiCaprio or Peter Griffin <laughs> meme where he's pointing, you know, like that's generally what happens whenever um, there's a little tie in like this. There's a couple of good ones in next week's episode, which maybe we'll talk about then, but yeah, it's just a fun crypt keeper moment for sure. You know, I did like I when know. he tossed. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say, I, I loved when he just tossed the dummy on the fire. Just like, yeah, we're gonna go throw that in the yeah. fireplace. <laughs> That's right. I I might sound crazy saying this. I don't know. You guys may or may not agree, but something. I know we had like a couple props. Obviously, we've got the card and we've got the ventriloquist doll. But maybe it was just because he was seated and stuff for the whole thing. But this felt like a very like traditional opening I, I i don't know it almost felt like kind of a throwback to to kind of the first season for me even with the props and that's certainly not an insult at all there was just something about it that i don't know because maybe we've you know this season we've gotten them in sunglasses and we've got you know these very kind of extensive uh you know kind of openings but but this one felt a little more classic tales if you will i don't know something about it maybe yeah i could i could definitely see what you're saying there yeah, maybe that's due to Donner. He hasn't really been back since. Oh no, he was earlier this season, wasn't he? Never mind. I was gonna say maybe he's that's used true, to though. like the, the more downplayed, uh, yeah. crypty kind of moments. But yeah, he shoots it now. It makes sense. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> Let's talk about the episode itself. Yep. Horrors from the Vault listeners, are you aware that there's very little as funny on the planet Earth as a ventriloquist doll? <laughs> the youth on TikTok and on Instagram, all those influencers might say different, but I'm here to tell you that a smart mouth little doll is endlessly amusing. Someone who wants to embrace that Jeff Dunham fate is Billy Goldman. He's a little boy of about age eight who, after seeing an absolute knee slapping performance by his idol, Mr. Ingalls, knows his fate is sealed in the body of a little man with a hand in his ass telling bad jokes. However, the night of hilarity comes to an end when Mr. Ingalls theater catches fire and he ends up losing his hand. Was it the theater? I thought it was like a hotel room. I mean, it's the whole resort, right? That catches fire. It's like the theater room. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I miss oh, everything. So everything's like, attached. Uh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. We cut forward 15 years later. Billy finally locates the now reclusive Mr. Ingalls and shares the wonderful news that he himself has become an amateur ventriloquist. He's playing tonight an amateur night and wants his hero to be there, which reluctantly but ultimately eventually agrees to come by. I think this is a good spot where we can just kind of talk about our two main characters here with Don Rickles and Bobcat Goldthwaite. Yep. Two actors that play so well off of each other and it's yeah. it's not even just the comedic stuff they just fit together so well as 
I guess, kind of like a newer up and coming comedian working with like old talent. They just have a natural, uh, I, I guess, like a natural partnership that shines through in here. Uh, it, it's just I don't feel like I'm watching two celebrity performers. I am fully engaged in the characters that are on display here. Yeah, it's brilliant casting because you know that Goldthwait knew exactly who Don Rickles was and probably has a similar relationship to him that like an you know, idol, yeah, yeah, like an actual mm-hmm. idol they the way looks up to, and so that that, that kind of chemistry is already there before they even put the camera on. You know, something I'll make note of that we'll actually talk in detail a little more because I don't want to get super into this plot point, but I uh, I can't think of another instance right offhand where like some of the quieter moments in a tales from the crypt episode stand out more to me because like you said man these or like you both said these guys are so good together and there's a moment coming up where don rickles has some sympathy for you know bobcat and i i really appreciate that moment because frankly i i personally also felt really bad for the guy um so i just think that's impressive that these two comedians can have like i said kind of a quieter moment in a a tales from the crypt episode of all things and it really really stand out to me yeah i wrote down gravitas and that's exactly what rickles is putting on the screen yeah like he's known he's known for being you know the the loud mouth funny guy but he's you know holding back and and putting it in his pocket when it needs to be and and kind of downplaying the reactions although i will say his reaction to seeing billy and the puppet walking up he just goes ah shit (laughs) he knew it was coming up it is good there is something just about both of their performances where you're like yeah i would i would drink and hang out with both these guys like these seem like swell dudes and people that Mm -hmm. i want to spend time with and there is not a minute wasted in this entire episode we cover a lot of ground this is very much a full complete story Uh, i mean heck we even get an origin story for billy in a way like him going to bed at night with the portrait that's all signed and everything like that it just it feels really high quality and i think that's a talent that not only do the actors bring but i think richard donner he just really pulls it together because he's really good at that um with with his episodes so far uh, particularly with uh dig that cat and i think this is very much along the same lines as that one by the way complete different shooting style than dig that cat too like that one was (laughs) very frenetic and and all over the place this one's very like we just said you know kind of downplayed and and stoic and and still it's got a stillness to it that that episode that dig that cat did not have at all Mm -hmm. yeah for sure but he also knows when to play with it when all the shit goes down Mm -hmm. and the chaos breaks out later (laughs) on at the end it's almost got like I wrote this down and I'm not sure if you guys agree with it, but it's almost got like early Peter Jackson feel to it. I don't know if you guys picked up on uh, what is it? Brain dead, like a little bit of that energy to it. Maybe it's just the zaniness of it that comes through, but I could totally see Peter Jackson watching this and this being like his favorite episode of (laughs) tales from the crypt. And he's like, God, that's so good. I'm going to do an eight hour Beatles documentary. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a that's a really good point, actually, because, yeah, this man, when it gets where it's going, it it goes there and has a ridiculous time with it. Yeah. Much like something like yeah. Brain Dead, honestly. 
And I'm fine. Like, I actually appreciate sometimes when they just get into it. Like, they go ahead and they're like, hey, this is going to be a goofy, silly episode from the top. But the way that everything escalates through this, you know, I've said many, many times during the course of Horrors from the Vault, we watch these episodes several times just to be fully prepared to talk about them. This was an episode where I think by the third time I was watching it, I was even looking forward to it a little bit more than the first watch through. I was having such a fun time being in this world with these characters. And by the time it was over, I was like, oh man, was that really 23 minutes or whatever? Because it just flies by. It's got a very good pace to it. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, like on subsequent viewings, you can pay attention a little more to like Rickles stand up spots and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. generally on that first, you kind of just get the the brush strokes of it where it's like, oh, funny guys doing funny stuff. Ha ha ha. But you actually get to go back and you get to appreciate it for the actual material that's in there, which is very corny and silly, um, but it's entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, we got a problem. Billy has heart, but he is an absolute terrible comedian and ventriloquist. (laughs) He has no concentration, no ability to work the crowd, no technique, and subsequently bombs the hell out of his debut show. Immediately. (laughs) Immediately. He walks (laughs) out there, and uh, Dan, I don't know if this was your quote of the week, but uh, I believe one of the characters shouts out, bring back the girl with the 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 tits. tits. Yeah. I've got to be good at figuring out yours, Dan. I'm usually in line. So there's two of them this week. There's that one, and we'll get to the other one later. Yeah, I actually have one for later as well. Um, Dude, this crowd. Oh, God, they suck. They're so mean. They're so mean, but then also, on the other hand, I can't lie to myself and say I wouldn't be participating because Billy is (laughs) god-awful. And it makes me wonder, like... He's got a ventriloquist oh doll. These things aren't cheap. And maybe he's got a good job. You know, he's working for for Bill Murray uh, up in New York City. He's, <laughs> you know, he's got a decent <laughs> enough job. He might have almost shot yeah. his boss a couple years ago, but he's doing That's fine right. now. He's got a he, high-level marketing gig. Um, <laughs> someone should have warned this man. Someone should have been like, hey, this isn't how you need to be. Uh, because, my God. And, and credit to Bobcat. He really conveys being terrible and i imagine he's able to pull from some of that personal experience like any comedian where he's just like "Ooh, i remember when i bombed oh painful you think jerry seinfeld (laughs) gets a sick satisfaction out of this episode dan absolutely (laughs) (laughs) uh so uh, Mr. Ingalls, he might be older, but he's still got a little bit of that game. He picks up a hot piece of resort tail, and she is promptly found murdered in her car. Womp womp. Billy, remembering that woman, searches for Mr. Ingalls and finds him back home about to inject some morphine into his arm. Calling him a junkie, which as a Floridian, I can assure you that we all are, he destroys the morphine. Visibly upset that he can't continue his Florida Project lifestyle, Mr. Potato Head explains that Morty hates women and isn't a dummy at all, but is a mutated Siamese twin that is bonded into his hand. That old story. (laughs) That old chestnut. (laughs) Dude, the reveal and the music kind of swelling up where he's like, Morty hates women. You're just like, Oh, Don Rickles, tell me more. Like, I need, who is Morty? Why does he hate women? What is the backstory here? And he delivers it with such uh, passion and, and like, he convinces you of that moment that Morty hates women <laughs> that you're just like, yeah, I believe yeah. it. There's some shit's afoot. I don't know what's going on, but 
God damn it. Morty hates women. My weird little penis brother on my arm hates women. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I did love that. A, yeah. The puppet can't look like a dick, but also it looks like uh, Don Rickles. If he were a slightly penis shaped arm, end of an arm. <laughs> Yeah, like, like the, the face is there, but it's like on the penis. <laughs> it's a really good design of that weird little creature. I wrote oh it here in my notes is that Morty is revealed in all his inbred Chucky doll chode glory. Um, <laughs> oh, <I'm> not oh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he is oh. so funny and silly looking. And I'm just going to say it when it comes to like evil little guy situation. I think Morty's up there. I think this is, I like oh, this more yeah. than Basket Case. I'm not going to lie. Oh, uh, I don't know. Basket Case is pretty good. The basket Case is deranged, but look, I get all my fun and kicks within like 20 minutes here. This is like, this is like when the mozzarella sticks outshine the entree where you're like, you know, the meal was fine, <laughs> but those mozzarella sticks, man. <laughs> I need this like feature length version. That That's what I need. How long, when when do you think they would like break it? Would it be by the 30 minute mark, the 45 minute mark? When would we get the reveal of Morty? Gotta, gotta do 30 ish. Got 30 to. minutes. But then what's the, re- like what's act two and three, if that's act one. Well, you know? that's fair, but you got to You think like halfway maybe, through act two. I, I think, tease. yeah, like maybe lightly tease, you know, Three fourths through Act Two, and then Act Three is pretty much balls of the oh, wall. Yeah. We'll be oh, here yeah. longer battle, yeah. All right. Like I said, Morty comes out the little chode of a guy, um, <laughs> and he orders Ingles to attack and kill Billy. Uh, Mister Ingles finally standing up to his brother, chops off his own hand in an attempt to free himself from his dark secret. But like Lance Armstrong's other testicle, Morty continues to live strong and rips out Ingles' throat with his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> this is some fun this is maybe why i'm thinking of peter jackson in this moment there's a little bit of sam raimi in here mm-hmm. a little bit of evil dead too this is so much fun horror like gore goofiness and knowing my horror taste i was just completely invested and what really seals the deal for me not only are the gore effects great i know why some people would say it's goofy and i know it's intentional so like get over it Morty's fucking voice in this kills Yes. And it's like a voice that everybody can do. It's not like really anything special, but it is so goofy and it is so fun. And (laughs) it really seals the deal on the entire occasion for me. Well, and you have the opposite of Bobcat Goldthwaite and his crazy ass voice. Not not full Bobcat, but you know, it's it's about 60 70% there. But I love like when a werewolf it just kind of it, it comes out. <laughs> like, it just, yeah, like <laughs> I don't know, Mr. Ingles. Like it, <laughs> it <laughs> when it peeks through, like I said, a werewolf, like getting a, a little little slip of that full moon crescent coming out. It's it's just it is so well balanced humor um, and the way that it it fits up against the the very gratuitous horror violence that's happening here yeah. completely works for me. I love it. This also is where my second uh, line oh, of the week came out. About to ask. Preston, you said you had one. Let's see if we match. What was yours? Well, OK, let me let me mine are back to back lines by two separate characters. So let me let me see if I can get the first part. You might be able to finish it. All right. Um, yeah. What an ugly bastard. 
<laughs> oh no, that's not mine. But go ahead, that's pretty good. Oh, but but he continues. Uh, uh, Bobcat, you know, follows that up by going, "You inbred fucking that's, cabbage yeah. patch kid." You know. <laughs> so that was that was the the mention, but the actual line I had was, "I'm making an asshole casserole, pal, and you're the main ingredient." <laughs> Billy finally catches Morty and bats him into a meat grinder, where Morty mm. cuts his deal. Billy cranks that lever and threatens to make the asshole casserole out of him. <laughs> but when Marty promises to do anything, he spares his life. Yes, exactly that scene. And the like you have all this crazy zaniness. The music is pumping. Everything's going on. And then he bats him into a meat grinder. Just it's the cherry on top. Entirely. And slowly grinds it too. And slowly. Slowly. Right. Yeah. And just a little bit of that beef coming out the bottom. Oh, so gross. So oh. gross. So fun. <laughs> but you know what? It paid off. Billy has successfully kicked off his ventriloquist act. Uh, Marty, he's masquerading as that doll once again. But guess what? Morty still hates women. <laughs> <laughs> Morty hates women. <laughs> Morty hates women. <laughs> so um, he's he's uh, catcalling this girl in the audience. And Billy's like, Oh, Marty, I, I don't know why you're doing that, which is terrible, Bobcat. My previous <laughs> one was good. all right, but that one was bad. Um, but anyways, uh, Morty's like, I'm renegotiating the deal. And then we get uh, Billy. He starts freaking out. He's like, ah, ah. and then the doll falls off and he sees that Morty has fused himself to his hand. And I still don't really understand how it works. It seems like kind of like Dude, a sleeve that yes, you'd be able to pull same. off. But yeah, it's it's strange. I don't quite understand it, but it's a goofy final note for this episode to conclude on. And uh, what's the uh, I, Dan? I'm not sure if you wrote this one down, but it was mm. try to scratch your ass now, Buster. Looks like we're <laughs> stuck with each other. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. God. Yeah. Him on Bobcat's hand is just, it's gross and creepy at the same time. He's totally. just got these little like tentacles that you can tell are somewhere embedded beneath the skin now. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. It's so gross. Um, and it makes you wonder what happens, but it's the perfect close for this episode. We go over to our closing Crypt Keeper moment and he's doing his own comedy routine. Like it's not enough to see these these routines during the episode he's like uh he, he's doing his own bit and uh this is much better than was it the last episode we talked about where he's doing terrible puns dan i can't yeah, remember I think, i'm pretty sure it was the last one yeah. yeah that one was terrible these are pretty solid overall pretty solid and he's not going to be upstaged on his own show so yeah come yeah. on you can't let billy get away with that great <laughs> Guys, let's go ahead and pay our last respects. Preston, how do you feel about the ventriloquist dummy? Oh, this is just a great Tales from the Crypt episode. And God, I'll be honest, like, I don't know that I had seen this one prior to us watching this for review, which is crazy because, um, I mean, I would think that this is certainly one of the more known episodes. I mean, what what do you guys think on that? Is this like... When, it's when top think- rated on IMDb. So yeah, it's oh, yeah, this is one of the highest rated yeah. reviews. Like you, generally when you look at a list on 
top tales from the crypt episodes this shows up in the top 20 somewhere along the line okay no i yeah i could totally see that um now this is this is absolutely so much fun um obviously with the you know direction behind it i i can't be shocked right um with with dick donner but um great casts man and just great adaptation because like we said this is one of those you read in the story and you're like yeah this is totally do for a live action concept and they they did a great job i think what kind of thumbs are you giving it how many oh, seven thumbs you got in your pocket Preston? we giving out some seven thumbs with our seven hands you know what i'm gonna go a super solid four out of five severed Ooh. thumbs yeah i know right i i i was thinking three and a half and then i feel like the more times i kind of watched it i i just i dug i dug the zaniness of it like dude this last act is freaking top tier like so good yeah i i'm i'm good with four petrified preston i'm gonna go ahead and hop in here because guys i'm doing it for me this is a five severed thumbs oh no joke um and you might be saying hunter you're really generous i don't know about this one let me explain a little bit why. And I kind of tiptoed around it, kind of alluded to it. To me, this is the perfect adaptation of a comic book story that you hope your parents don't find. But it's one of your favorites. You pass it around your friend group. You have a good little time. It's one of those treasured childhood memories. I've seen this episode a bunch of times. I think it completely nails what it sets out to do. I think it's one of those perfect episodes. And while there's stronger episodes narratively, maybe there's scarier episodes, maybe there's funnier episodes. I think everything about this works for me. And I can't really think of any sort of major flaws or things I would change. Like I could only hope to direct an episode as fun and fulfilling as this one. I think it completely scratches every single itch that I've got. And for those reasons, I'm feeling a solid five on it. I like that, yeah. Yeah, nice. Devilish Dan, go All ahead right. and hit us with your, your 2.5 here. <laughs> <laughs> like Preston, I also did not recall seeing this one back in the day. Um, I As an 80s kid that grew up loving stand-up comedy and especially zany-ass weirdos like Bobcat Goldthwait and his, <laughs> you know, left-of-center style of comedy, um, yeah, I definitely would have remembered seeing him and, and this would have been one of my favorites had I remembered seeing it. Um, but yeah, no, you guys nailed it. Uh, Pre- or Hunter, you you said it exactly. It's a great adaptation. They they took what was on the page and just kind of tweaked it a little bit here and there. Um, gave the characters a little more to work with. Uh, and the chemistry between the two is phenomenal, like we've said. Uh, I was going to go three and a half, but since uh, Preston went four and, 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 uh, and Hunter went five, I, I got to go four. I was debating between the two, so four. Nice. Yeah, I think it's just an absolute triumph. And if you can't tell, we had so much fun talking about this one because the episode is so much fun itself. It's a tried and true concept of the ventriloquist dummy that comes to life, but it just really amps it up with, uh, like you said, Dan, the performances really anchor it. But also something we've been asking for in recent uh, memory is we want a little bit more of that horror element to kind of mm-hmm. shine through that Tales from the Crypt does so well. And I think when it does go buck wild and you get that gore there's some really great gore horror effects in here so while it's not a scary episode i just think it's outright so much fun that i'd be lying to myself if i didn't give this a perfect rating for me personally yeah we've been mentioning that it's been lacking in the gore a little bit the last few episodes and this one definitely amps it back up definitely 
We want to thank you guys for listening to Horrors from the Vault. If this is your first ever episode of listening to us, welcome. We are so glad to have you. We are a weekly, minus any sort of breaks, anthology. Uh, well, not, we're not an anthology series. Tales from the Crypt is an anthology. We are a rewatch, watch-along podcast completely focused on Tales from the Crypt. We've covered every episode prior to this, and we'll cover the one after this. So follow along, join us on our journey. And if you are somebody who is um, kind of going around, picking choosing go back and listen to all the episodes you schmuck we put a lot of hard work into this and we want you to enjoy all of them all the episodes are fun we promise um devilish dan you can go ahead and plug your stuff too but let the good folks know where they can keep up with the show yeah so if you want to check the show out on socials it's horror vault pod at all of them twitter blue sky instagram threads uh mostly twitter and and instagram because it seems like no one's using all the other ones but hey we're going to keep it up anyway. Uh, if you want to check me out. Oh, also, if you want to uh, send us a long form old man email, it's horrorvaultpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to check me out, uh, you can follow me on Letterboxd at Daniel P. Sims. You can see me reviewing, as Hunter put it earlier, uh, just complete trash at least three days a week. Um, some of that <laughs> trash ends up being pretty good trash. I saw one last night that uh, was, was quite a surprise. A ghost waits. Uh, I would check that one out. Uh, so yeah, letterbox Daniel P. Sims. Uh, if you want to check me out on Twitter, Instagram threads, all the other shit, it is at red, right? Dan. Thank you. Petrified Preston, another letterbox, super fan, a letterboxed ambassador. <laughs> I think we can call you <laughs> where else can they keep up with you? Letterbox and all the other fun stuff. I wear that badge proudly, sir. It's uh, at Preston967. Of course, you can find me on Letterboxd and on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook under Preston Green. You can keep up with me on here, of course. And, uh, man, I'm just excited to kind of get back in the groove in this. It's a new year. We've got over half of this season done, by the way, fellas. So we're, we're going to be there before we know it. Definitely, definitely. If you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is on Instagram and Letterboxd. You can find me at Discount Vincent Price. I've been a year clean from Twitter. You can't find my ass there no more. Thank you guys for listening to Horace from the Vault. Crypt Keeper, slap that bass.